fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 1420 Podcast with your hosts, Andrew. I'm a good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm so good, man. You know what I did today? What'd you do? I turned in all of my OCIE to the Oregon National Guard. OCIE, for those of you who don't know, is uh, your equipment. That's your issued equipment. So it includes everything from uh, helmets to rucksacks, um, uniform components, gloves. Pouches that you have no idea what they go to or why they would even be included, but you sign for it anyway. That's right. You you know, it's funny because (coughs) these days when you get issued military equipment, uh, everything's modular. Everything's part of a modular system. So your sleeping bag is not a sleeping bag. It's actually a three-part system. Five parts all, all in. Um, you've got your, um, you've got your rucksack, which is not a rucksack. Your rucksack is a rack and lifter straps and shoulder straps and a bag and multiple components. So, I mean, the rucksack, I think the rucksack alone was it's probably seven line items. I think it was 11. I think yeah. it was 11 pieces in seven or eight lines. Uh, so you, you know, it winds up being this three hour production to dur- turn in your equipment, but complete you free. There was one item. There was one item. Uh, it's a fleece. Oh. It's a fleece. And uh, I could probably have found one. And I said, well, how much is it? And he said, well, it's 60 bucks, depreciated seven years at 10 per- 10% a year. So it's, you know. 35 bucks. 35 bucks. And I said, just just bill it. And he was like, well, we could challenge it. And I was like, nope, I don't want to ever talk about it again. Just bill it to me. It'll be done. So I am completely cleared out. I have no issued equipment from Ooh. the Army, which means r- really... That's the one thing that can stop you from getting out of the army is having uncleared items. How upsetting is it how much army-related stuff you still have in duffel bags at your house? Oh, man. I still have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Even after today. I, I, when I cleared, I had probably still three duffel bags and a one of those black like gorilla boxes. I was like, why do I have all this stuff? I don't, I don't want any of this. But I had it. I don't, I don't have anywhere near that much stuff. I had an absurd I amount. I don't have that much stuff. Uh, but I do have I do have quite a bit of stuff. I just have I have so many uniforms. Most of them are DX, you know. Most right. of them are uniforms I couldn't even wear if I was if I was staying in. So uh, I think I probably have one more drill, at least a partial drill, because there's a board. There was a, a an administrative board that I was supposed to finish today that didn't, or Saturday that didn't get finished. So Ugh. I'll have to go back in November. Nah, yeah, that's that's not your problem. Uh, it, yeah, I mean it is. I'm gonna have to do it. So. Oh, that's bummer. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it. So how are you, man? So good. I'm enjoying a long weekend. Go to real work this week. Yeah. Starting Monday, you graduated from the academy. Yeah. You you are official. I am. State certified. So now I I have a nice long weekend. I'm going to start on Wednesday. And ooh, that's going to be a good combo. Yeah, I think so. I think Uh, so. A little little basic, the uh, Rainier Cherry Seltzer. Yeah, some uh, Cherry Seltzer and... uh, and some wild turkey 101. Yeah, yeah that's going to be good. <laughs> what else do we have? Oh, you Ooh, know. The raspberry the, Meyer lemon might be a good combo for it, mine, but yeah. You know, whatever. So yeah. so you're official, you start work on Wednesday, you actually yep. put on the uniform and and do the job. Yeah, and I'm very ready. I'm also very excited to have effectively 4 days off from from one work week to the next. Right. And to not have yeah, to not be taking any time off for that. Well, you know, you invited me to go up to that ceremony, and uh, I was really uh, honored to be there. Went up with uh, Kim, and it was really cool to see that. And uh, you know, it's a little emotional anytime you see someone sort of 
graduate a process like that and do a thing where they where they become something. It's a little emotional, you know, because you may stay a, a policeman for for five years or ten years or, or six weeks. We just don't know. Or or forty years. You, you know, I mean, I mean, forty years is a stretch. I'm, okay, I'm a little on the older side. <laughs> Let's call it thirty years. <laughs> That's safer. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, it, it's just fun to be a part of that. You know next part next step of someone's life it was really pretty cool uh to see it so yeah, it was cool. congratulations man loved having you loved having everyone it was cool had some my dad and uh, my aunt that i haven't seen in a couple of years came down it was i seen my dad but my aunt who i haven't seen in a couple of years came down too it was, it was fun it was cool yeah and i didn't even i didn't even say anything bad about police no no because it was kind of scary and there was there was 200 and ah, there's probably more like like neighborhood of 300 cops <laughs> everybody was a cop yeah everyone, everyone. Yeah. even like pulling into the parking lot i was like fuck my my license plate on the front's not screwed in it's just sort of sitting in the window i was like i'm, getting, I'm getting a ticket today yeah <laughs> it's exactly. a zap from any one of these guys like, <laughs> yeah well good well hey uh we've got a uh we've got a guest on the on the phone r- right now and i and i just I think before we before we go any further, I'd just like to introduce him. This is a person that some of you will know. Most of you, I hope. Uh, and maybe, and, not, and maybe personally, not personally, though. but you'll have at least heard his name uh, because he uh, has, has been in the watch game for a number of years and is sort of a, a pioneer in terms of, of modding, uh, doing really cool things. But we've got Dave Murphy on the phone. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're just just doing fantastic, as you've heard. We're we're yeah. drinking whiskey and seltzer, and uh, and you know it's hard to do bad when you're doing that. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's like so, old fashioned. Sounds great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, you're you're the owner of Murphy Manufacturing, which is the maker of fine fine bezels. Yes, sir. Primarily, I think you started off making bezels for the Seiko SKX. Is that right? Well, primarily, I started making bezels for the Vostok Amphibia watches. Okay, uh, that I had was that my, backwards. That was my, you know, that's okay. Um, the 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 funny thing about that was is that, uh, well, let's back up. Um, I run a screw machine shop. Uh, it's a family business. Uh, it was started by my grandfather in 1946, uh, right after World War II. And uh, generally what we do is turning. We don't really do much uh, milling. Um, so so you, do, you, know, you do rotational as opposed to top-down, spinny, drill press-type milling. That's correct. And... Um, uh, screw machine, well, screw machine work is defined as work you can do on a screw machine. It's it's very rarely screws, oh. um, but because there are better <laughs> ways to make screws now. It's just one of those funny things. But uh, what it is is production turning. Um, I tell people that um, what I do, what I'm supposed to be doing well, with my time is um, making custom pieces for my customers and I make them a thousand pieces at a time. And when they're done, I put them in a box and send them out UPS. That's, and it's uh, American customers. And these days, that means that it is uh, American customers that are making more high-tech stuff. Uh, Scientific instruments, agricultural, 
optical, that sort of stuff. There's there's not so much. Uh, nobody's making toasters in the United States anymore. Let's put it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so um, you know, my customer has a machine that they want to make, and because of its uh, uh, complexity or whatever, you know, let's say they only need to make a thousand of these machines in a year. Well, they make, uh, they go out and buy a thousand boxes to put a machine in and 4,000 legs. So the thing is on the, you know, sitting on the uh, bench top and they buy some electronics and some optics and some fasteners and some plastic parts and that, that's basically what they do is they kit all this stuff out and they have an assembly line somewhere and they put this stuff together. It's expensive stuff. Um, and, and often it's fairly, you know, there's not a huge market. Uh, you know, there aren't, they're not making large quantities of these things mm-hmm. because, you know, um, there's a certain market that exists. And is that and, uh, is that market, Dave? Is that the folks seeking the elusive "made in the USA" designation, by and large? Oh no, no, no. These are existing companies that have been uh, making this stuff for years, and uh, you know they, uh, you know, in the case of uh, uh, analytical laboratory equipment, you know, they if if they're only making a thousand of these benchtop laboratory type machines in a year well there might be a shop in asia that's interested in doing that but maybe not okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i mean they 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 find that they can do that here in the uh, us so anyways it's the order um, it's the order quantity you're able to make things on a smaller batch scale than an asian than an asian company is is the deal uh, 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 yes, and 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 I will say also that in the screw machine business, um, when I told you that I'm making, let's say between five hundred and twenty thousand pieces of something, there are other kinds of screw machines that make uh, that a hundred thousand pieces is a small order. Yeah. Okay. So that's not our thing. So, um, anyways. Well, well, one. Uh, I mean, can you give us an idea of what what types of things? I mean, I, I I suspect based on the way you're dancing around it a little bit that it's a whole bunch of different stuff, and that it's yes. probably not terribly. Uh, it, it's probably types of pieces that uh, that one doesn't think about. That's my suspicion. But why don't you tell us what what is it? What a what do you actually make? Well, um, you know, if if. Like I said, if you're making a machine mm-hmm. and it's an assembly of different stuff, uh, so, you know, sometimes the engineer has to have a special fastener. Sometimes the engineer has to uh, make some kind of widget that you can press two bearings in so that you can turn a shaft. Sometimes you need the shaft. Sometimes you need a knob. Um, and you know, if you're an engineer designing this stuff, of course, you're going to try to look into, the catalog, into some catalog to, uh, sure. to find this stuff. Um, sure. but, if you, but if you just can't, then you have to have it made. 
And, and usually the easiest way to do it is to have it made in the United States. It's just, it's just easier if you're an engineer working on this kind of stuff to just pick up the phone or, you know, send a PDF of a print. So, um, well, without getting, giving away any trade secrets, what, what was the last thing you made? Give, give us an example of something you made last week. Uh, okay. Well, let me tell you what I'm going to make tomorrow. Okay. I have a, uh, I have an agricultural, uh, customer that, um, I'm going to make the cylinder, the outer cylinder for a slide pump. And, and basically the idea is, is that, uh, if you have a small tank, let's say on your back full of some liquid, um, pesticides, fertilizers, whatever, uh, there's a hose coming out of that tank and there's a, uh, sort of a, think of a bicycle pump sort of arrangement. It's yeah. about the same length as a bicycle pump. <clears throat> okay. Uh, but, and it, it, it'll throw a stream of water like 30 feet. So, um, you know, they make a thousand of those assemblies a year and there are seven parts in that assembly that I make. So, you know, throughout the year, they run out of one of them. And uh, it happens tomorrow, I'm going to be making the outer cylinder for that. So, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, it's made within 70 miles of my shop. And uh, that's, that's all they make is, is about a thousand a year. So, uh, this particular customer uh, actually owns a factory in China, but it's just not, you know, they, they rather keep this particular product here. So the feasibility uh, which, of it makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, there are business decisions behind that whole thing. So anyways, um, to get to the watches part of it. Um, I, I was uh, I was just going to yeah, say that, that what a perfect segue. So that's like... Unlike a few of the people we've talked to in the past who got into machining because of watches, you were already here. So where did that, what drove you to start making watch parts with the, with the, I imagine, pretty Im impressive amount of equipment you had already at your disposal? What, what did that look like? Well, the, what, what it looked like for me is the same, probably similar to you guys. I mean, um... It was around, I, I wouldn't. I don't know I, about that. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm saying the, the beginning of it just just began with I had an interest in in watches, and um, that kind of drove me to. This is uh, around 2007, I'd say, and that kind of drove me to some of the watch forums. And you know, when you get involved in something like like that, that feeds on itself a little bit. It you know, does, and yeah. you end up with with friends that have the same interest. So um you know, I was always kind of a mechanically inclined guy. Okay. That doesn't surprise and, me okay. at all. <clears throat> so so almost immediately um I was interested in uh let's 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 look into um seeing if I can do movement work. Let's look into see, if, well, first, if I can do modding. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, and that and that's kind of what drove me toward, um, you know, what I'm doing now. Uh, it was it was just the the modification of watches, and uh, just just like a lot of people, they they get into it, and they find that you know there are parts available for certain watches, and you know which watch, watches they are, and um, uh, there was a little bit of the uh, you know if you have one tool and it's a hammer. Every single thing looks like a nail. Yeah, definitely. So I yeah. mean, I'm 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 standing here with with a couple of um, fairly expensive CNC lathes, and then the other hand, I've got this watch, and it's like, hmm, you know, right? A, 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 actually, uh, the, the way the um, the Vostok thing went was, I had a uh, 420 case Vostok Amphibia. It's a beautiful and, uh, a beautiful watch in its own right. Uh, yes, and um, I wanted it to look different. It had that um, that dots and dashes uh, bezel that they had at that point. Plated brass, nasty. Plated brass, and every single every single amphibia came with the same bezel for twenty five years. Yeah. Uh, just you know, since the Soviet system uh, called it quits, and um, and and so. I wanted to, that was when I made my first, um, smooth bezel to say, let's get rid of the dots and dashes around this bezel and just make it look like a pilot watch. And, uh, you know, I made a, a couple of bezels, you know, drew it up, made a few bezels and, and a lot of people were just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's nice. You know, congratulations. I, I like your watch. Well, and then, uh, but Dave, then, I mean, how did the, so, you, you know, you, you're going to, you, I'm not going to let you off the hook there because I can tell you want to move to the next idea. But, uh, that, that moment, that moment is important. Um, and I want to know more about it. Right. I, I want to know about what did you do? I mean, how, so you've got this Vostok, a 420, yep. you know, those things, those Bef things. Before we get to that, how did you come into Vostok? So, I mean, at this point, how, oh, how long yeah. had you been interested in watches? Kind of what got you there? And how did a Vostok land in your hands that you realized the dots and dashes were total shit and you wanted something better? Well, um, the, the thing is, at the time, okay, um, I was just starting out with the watches and... Um, like a lot of guys that get into the hobby, you know, they, they join into the watch forum. And I remember one of my first goals was in the morning, like, what are you wearing thread? It would be really cool if I had a different watch for every day of the week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're first starting out and you're really trying to say, ah, oh, geez, you know, I really want to stick to these more uh, affordable watches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Amphibia was actually the second watch that I bought, okay, as a collected piece. I'm going to let you guess what my first watch was. It was an SKX. As it, nope. Oh. Mm. Well, let's see. I, I mean, for me. I've, I've heard. I've heard it. I've heard it mentioned at uh, on your show before. That's why 
you, you know, the, for uh, SN, the SNK, SNK 809. Okay. 809. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Got, that, that was, that would be my other choice. Yep. So yeah, 7S26, you know. Um, so yeah, those two watches were my first, what I would call collected pieces. You know, everyone has four or five watches in the drawer. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I had those, I had those watches already and some of them were pretty interesting watches in their own right, but you, you As maybe collect- didn't realize that at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, that's true. I had some pretty cool watches uh, at the time and um, uh, that I still have. But but um, anyhow, the, the Amphibia at the time was very popular as a here's something that you can get into for at the time it was like about 60 bucks, right. you know? Right. And, um, so it was like, it was a natural, you know, I bought a black scuba dude like everybody else. Okay. Is it the, uh, the one with the orange, the orange scuba dude? Uh, no, no. Okay. It, the, it was, the white, the white, uh, was, diver. Yeah. Just one little white diver on, on the dial and, uh, and, uh, you know, 12, six and nine Arabics on it and, and a date. But, uh, yeah, I ended up, um, modifying that watch and putting the smooth bezel on it. And, uh, actually I had, um, also, uh, I, I, I cut the dial feed off of a, uh, like a military style dial that I had got at auto fry or someplace. And, you know, I was kind of delving into the modding a little bit slowly. So, but stop, and, uh, but stop here. That Dave. sounds super it, deep. Yeah. That, <laughs> like, right. I just got to dial, I, cut the feet off. This is super simple yeah. for you, but this is the part, this is the part that for me is the most important part of your journey. And, and maybe it won't prove to be at the end of today's conversation, but for, for me taking a watch in one hand and taking a, you know, three axis, or I, I don't know what, what, what type of CNC machine you have, but, but going from watch to machine I mean, what does that what does that look like? And I know that these these top these details may be a little banal to you, but uh, for the purposes of your first time on forty and twenty, uh, what is I mean, just in layman's term, what does this look like? What do you do? What's your process? Well, you have to realize that when you're in an industrial job for your whole life, okay. And you're you're kind of into industrial engineering. Uh, sometimes you have to reverse engineer something, mm-hmm. you know, to get them to get an old machine running. To uh, if there are no parts available for this thing that you're trying to get going in your factory or whatever. So, um, you know, it was kind of that that sort of process where you say, "Here's the piece I got to fit this thing to." Here's the piece that I want it to look like. What do those two things look like? You know, here's what the inside has to look like. Here's what the outside has to look like. Draw all those features on one piece of paper. There you have it. And and you make it. This is what machinists do. 
And because right. that's okay, your background, well, it's just it was just second nature. Like, oh, yeah. I don't like this. I'm just gonna make something better. It's almost rote. I can tell yeah. the way you skim over this process that it's almost by <laughs> rote like, that you do this. Like, but wouldn't you do the same thing? This Everett? is an absolutely <laughs> fascinating idea to me that you have the ability to, you, you know, because I, I've just, you know, I, you didn't listen to last week's episode, and, and that's okay because you were sort of one of the first people that we're in on this project, this uh, 40 and 20 one-year anniversary watch mod project. Uh, I reached mm-hmm. out to you, I think, about the project before I reached. I, I think you were actually the first one to know about the idea. Um, and that was uh, th- that was a, a, a byproduct of me sort of being really impressed by the products you make uh, for, for, for a number of reasons. I mean, one... I just think it's super fun that you make everything in the United States. Uh, you, you know, Andrew and I are both sort of, uh, I, I would say, closet patriots. Morgan, Americans, Americans, yeah, Americans. You, you know, and and I say that because I I think that that you know that idea can be misconstrued in a lot of ways, and and I don't want to buy into anyone's sort of misconstrual of that. With, with that said, I just think it's super neat that. I can get a bezel made in Germany. I can get a bezel made, you know, for a Vostok. You know, AM Diver, for instance, makes really cool stuff in, in Germany for Vostoks. And, and, and I think that's fun and, and neat. But it's so neat, the idea that I can get something made in New York yeah. by a dude in a red Oxford, uh, you, you know, who's sitting in his office uh is is pretty fantastic. So uh, I I know you want to downplay this idea, or maybe you don't even want to downplay it. Maybe you just downplay it naturally. But it's so cool to think I could just have an idea and then make this out of a fine precision fit piece of metal. David, it's people like you uh, that are like that are that are re-energizing the American watch industry. And we've we've talked to a handful of watchmakers over the over the past few months, and and you have a place among them that are re-energizing and revitalizing the the american watch market and whether or not you're going to accept that you absolutely are well i appreciate that but um i'm going to point out one thing to you guys um the the first (laughs) one is is that um you know uh american craftsmanship never went away just because you guys aren't aware of it in Mm -hmm. your everyday lives okay uh the second thing is uh, and, and this really um, is something that's um, that I love is that um, not so much in the watch uh, the watch parts thing, but in the EDC community, okay, yeah. everyday mm-hmm. carry. Mm-hmm. There are so many there are so many guys out there that um, they're doing a, a regular job somewhere. And they get this fascination with um, manufacturing, metalworking. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, they've got this, uh, you know, they go down to Grizzly and they buy a a three-axis mill that fits on their benchtop or a lathe. And um, they're playing around with that thing and they're learning the trade. They're learning how to cut metal. and Make uh, chips. They learn how to make chips, and then a few of them, they, you know, they go through their, uh, you know, they introduce a product or maybe a, do a Kickstarter or something like that, and next thing you know, instead of the grizzly lathe, 
you know, they've got a lathe like mine. Yeah. Uh, or instead of the uh, three-axis benchtop uh, mill, you know, they've got a robo drill or a, uh, you know, something like that. Some big something five-axis fancy. Something that costs $100,000. Yeah, you know, right. Or more. You, and, you know, and, uh, you know, Dave, this idea, and I'm going to let you finish this thought, but this idea is something we've actually talked about a lot and we, we really love it. You know, uh, we, we, inter- we interviewed, uh, the guys from Vera watches in Portland, uh, a yes. couple months ago and, and they had a very similar process, uh, where just, I'm going to buy, well, they, they started with a bit more money than most people, but Darren Tiffany, uh, and I don't know if you know, Darren Tiffany and all DM Tiffany timepieces, but s- same deal. You know, he literally bought like the cheapest, uh, the cheapest lathe or CNC machine mm-hmm. mill, you know, hand mill, you know, he's doing everything with, with turns and wheels. Uh, and, and Grimsmo knives is another one we've talked about on this show yes. before. Uh, you know, these guys, I love this idea that you're, that you're talking about right now. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt but, you, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something though. Um, Please. that guy, uh, Tiffany, uh, any guy that can make his own lathe from scratch and I'm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fantastic Um, it's fantastic it really is fantastic and and, you know because a you can't afford you know the one that was built 70 years ago and b because you can do just as well you know that's really impressive okay and uh to to me anyways no uh, and us too obviously not just not just a lathe but a rose engine you know, right, right. Uh, it's you're like, you're you know, probably one of the few people who heard that episode and truly appreciated what he was talking about. You, you yeah, know, it's like you're you're taking something that's fairly simple. You know, you have a rotating piece of stock, and then you have two axes to play with. Okay, that's a lathe. Now he's gone and taken. You know, it's ten steps of complexity beyond that. You know, just mm-hmm. totally and, fantastic. And, and Dave, I'm yes. I'm going to say for our audience right now, we've got you on uh, video because we decided kind of before we started recording that it might be convenient for us to be able to have sort of hand and hand, arm signals uh, for for a couple reasons. Um, but I do believe, I do believe with one with one sort of off. Uh, sort of one-off exception. You're the first person who's seen the process, and 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 I'll say you can only see me. You can't see Andrew because we kind of sit a little right. bit far apart. Um, but I think you're the first person to witness the recording, so you can see that there's a lot of uh nonverbal communication between yes. Andrew and I as we record. We talk about things as we go, and we point things out to each other. But um. You have you have a, a unique opportunity to see this, and nobody else will ever see this because we're not recording the video. Um, but y- yeah, we get excited about things. We get excited about things and communicate about those things non-verbally as we record. And when we talk to Darren Tiffany, uh, when we talk to Darren Tiffany, he he was a rapper, like kind of like you are, right? Where he just sort of, you know, we'd ask him a question, and next thing you know, we were down some deep rabbit hole, and we—I think <laughs> both of us had our chin sort of glued to our chest that whole time because uh, listening to him talk, uh, it, it same way you do, right? Where you sort of gloss over these details, and we're like, wait, 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 you need to go back, <laughs> yeah, because the thing you said just completely blew our mind. So we're doing a little bit of that today, where we're, you know, like, what? That's crazy. Um, and, and, you know, I think we did some of that before we started recording. Uh, but yeah, it, it's an incredible idea that people like you and people like Darren and, and you know, 
uh, Chris, you know, this sort of mastermind uh, at, at Vero, you, you know, that you guys are able to have an idea and be confident and push forward. And, and you know, these these watches, these Vostok bezels, so insignificant to you that you almost refuse to talk about the process, uh, you, you know, because it was just, I reverse engineered a thing. This is a thing I do every day. It's not a significant part of this story. It's really cool. Right. So, you know, getting back to that story, um, the um, I, I, I told you that I, I made the first smooth bezel for my own watch. Yeah. But then the, what really blew the lid off the thing was one day I was, I don't know. I'm not sure if you guys are old enough to remember this, but uh, you remember the old commercials about how they invented the Reese's peanut butter cup? Oh, ever it's old enough. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there was a little dig there. That happens. Yeah. But, you know, you got one guy with a jar of peanut butter and he smashes into this other guy with a chocolate bar in his hand. And that's how the Reese's peanut butter cup was invented. I have a sure. vague memory well, of it. But yeah, yeah. I had a Vostok amphibia in one hand with no bezel on it. And I had a Seiko SKX 007 insert in the other hand. And I said, wow, it looks like it belongs on that watch. It does. So, and it does. It's just exactly the right inner diameter to um, to look right with that crystal. And uh, again, I just went back to the same. I went back to the drawings for my smooth bezel and said, all right, the bottom half looks like the smooth bezel and the top half has to hold this insert. So um, that was the product that kind of started the snowball for me. Dave, did um, you do the first coin edge bezel for the SKX? I did. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. You you were sort of the pioneer of, I, I think, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think that you probably, more than anybody else in the industry, are responsible for the SKX, the Seiko 5, the 5KX, we call them on the show, um, which, which is a watch that I think was singularly created by Seiko to feed this fascination in the mining industry for the SKX. I think that you Are you talking about this this new this new watch that they've come out here recently with the yeah. updated movements but yes. no screw down crown? Yes. yes. Yes, so I'm talking about that and and I'm going to add a couple things to the conversation. Uh I am going to add all of Yoboki's. I'm going to add all of Dagaz. I'm going to add the Crystal Times CT watch cases. I think that you, and this is my this is my uh, m my assumption based on the research I've done. I think that you individually are probably more responsible than any other individual for starting that craze. Do you disagree? And you don't have to okay. agree with it. I, I disagree, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, I please. Think that the guy, there's two guys. There's two guys that are that blew the lid off this modding thing. The first guy was Bill Yao. The second guy was uh, Harold uh, Yobokis. Okay, um, back in the early days, we're talking about 2005, 2006. Uh, Bill Yao made the almost the only and certainly the best um, dials and hands for modifying. Uh, and he had uh, offerings for the Seiko Diver 
And also he made 28 and a half millimeter dials for the ADA 2824. And there were just a ton of watches, Swiss made watches that, that, uh, that those would fit. So, uh, he was supplying those dials before anybody. And then, and I'm not sure between he and Harold who came first, uh, not long after that, maybe a few years after that, there was a guy, Canadian guy, by the name of Noah Fuller. Yeah. And, and um, he was a uh, kindergarten teacher in um, Hong Kong. Yeah. You know, if you're an English-speaking person, you send your kid to the English-speaking school. Well, he was, he was, he worked at one of those schools. And, um, not long after he's got his feet wet, uh, Jake Bordeaux became acquainted with him, and they were just like best buddies. So, um, yeah, in, in the early years, I'm going to say that uh, Bill Yao was really kicked things off. Okay, and uh, you know, at some point, I'm taking a guess here, maybe 2010. When his when his uh, benchmade and ready-made watches started sort of to take hold, he just abandoned that, um, you know, the selling of the mod parts. You know, this is Harold Yao. But, no, no, uh, Bill Yao. Oh, Bill Yao. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, Bill yeah. Yao from from right. Pennsylvania, and um, Mark Mark II watches. Sure, sure. Yeah. A MK2. So, yep. Um, so anyways, um, yes, I, I was the first to offer a coin edge bezel for the amphibia and it wasn't terribly long after that, that I, um, figured out the, uh, SKX 007, um, the, 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 uh, dimensions and tolerances for the, the psycho cases are, uh, more than a factor of 10 more difficult than making parts for Russian watches. Okay? That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> yep. But, uh, it's just, you know, kind of a funny thing, but, uh, yeah, I was the first to, uh, have a coin edge bezel for either one of those. Um, yeah. So, um, So okay, so we've got we've got your Vostok bezels, right? So we've got we've got your polished bezel. We've got your bezel that has the that ability to take the insert for the SKX. Yes. What what's your decision to move on from there? How are you what's driving your decision making for the next part? To provide, actually, no. We'll, we'll even circle back to there. What drives you to start making this a a production part to make this available that to other is, people and not just for you? That is, well, okay. You you've already hit on it. Um, the the um, the thing that drives me, it, it's it's a little selfish. It's uh, I always make the first part because I want one. Right, and you should because America. Yeah. So you know. In the case of, um, yeah, pretty much every single 
project that I've taken on, including um, more recently uh, the movement holder. Um, it's because I was dissatisfied with something that was available and I just, I wanted one. And um, at this point, it's like, if, if I want one for my watch, uh, at this point, I'm kind of like, well, if I want one, somebody else wants one too. Sure. You know, my, my, mm -hmm. ex my experience with, with the way the bezels worked out kind of showed me that. And obviously there's going to be some watches that are more popular than other watches, but, uh, uh, you know, there are watches out there that I could make bezels for. And the reason that I don't is because I don't own that watch either because I just don't like it or, you know, that, that, that seems to be the first step is me owning one. Can you I, know? can I make a guess? Uh, I, I'm thinking in my mind, Orient Mako. Uh, you know what? I, tr I tried that and, um, I, I, I tried it to the point of buying, uh, three of them. And, uh, the first one, I just had a really hard time getting the bezel off. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. I've never for, tried popping mine, but. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I, I think I'm smart enough to get most bezels off because I've had quite a bit of experience, <laughs> but, uh, uh, when I started doing damage to the, to the watch case, I just said, you know what, this is not really going to be a good experience for, <laughs> sure. um, for, for modders to, uh, to do. And, and at, and at that point I was just kind of like, you know what, I don't want it that much. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, uh, th there's another watch that's on, my, on my website, another bezel that's on my website that it is, there's a Seiko, uh, it's a, uh, a solar diver. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is a bear to get the, uh, the bezel off of about 15 or 20% of them. And I mean, really hard. And, uh, I had to put some fairly dire warnings on my, on my website about, you know, you might want to actually see if your bezel will come off before ordering this. You, know? you can try this, but buyer, buyer beware. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and, and sometimes that doesn't even work. You know, you, you get people that say, yeah, you know, I, uh, one that I'm wondering about is the, uh, Vostok Komandersky. If you've, if you've well, had any experience with bezels for that, the smooth the bezels with, specifically, the thing with that family of watches is that um, I believe that the old school dots and dashes amphibia brass bezel will fit all those watches. And if it does, then there's a good chance that I already have something that fits the commandeer ski. And we're talking about the the classic commandeer mm -hmm. line. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. not the not um, the new new gen. Was it K thirty four? The the problem the problem that you come up with though is um, uh, stem lengths, and uh, you know because of the way the Vostok uh, crown screws on, mm -hmm. and it uh, it has to seat. You know there there is an an end seal 
inside the crown. Yeah. That has to make contact in order for the watch to be waterproof. And if the bezel is in the way mm-hmm. of that thing going all the way, you're going to flood your watch the first time you wash your hands. Yeah. So um, the, the fact is, is that I haven't gone out and bought every single Komandirsky case to find out which fits in which do not fit. So it's, it's, uh, and, and the other thing is, is that not a lot of people, not a lot of people really want to do it. Uh, I think first of all, because, you know, why are you putting a beautifully made stainless steel bezel on a crumb plated brass case? Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, the second thing is, is it, it's this, uh, this balance of costs. I mean, I know we all want what we, what we want and we're going to build what we want, but it, it's kind of one of those things where you say, well, you know, I went and I bought this thing for, you know, $55 and now I'm going to buy a stainless steel bezel for a large portion of that, you know? Mm. I mean, Ev has and, an SNK uh, that's couple hundred money yeah you know i i've got a i've got an snk my 809 my original 809 which i think your 809 was your first watch my 809 yes. was my second watch uh i've got an 809 that i've put in you know i don't know probably i don't know 10 hours of finishing and another you, you know uh, maybe maybe fifty dollars in parts to re- really? right you, you know so I've got this you, you know I, I I won't I won't say my hourly rate <clears throat> on, on the air but you know <laughs> what 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 winds up being a fairly expensive watch if you if you really are critical about the the math um, but yeah you're right you know so sometimes we just do a thing because we want to do the thing uh, notwithstanding yes. notwithstanding the the hard costs. There's, there's, you know, that is a kind of a funny thing. Um, some companies in America are, are peddling experiences rather than products. Sure. And, and, and that's, that's an example of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you bought this thing that you can wear, but guess what? You just, you just paid yourself $2 an hour, you know? So... So we've we've talked about a, l- a little bit about getting to market. What what's next? What have you got on the horizon? What do you want that isn't readily available out in the market that you're going to have to take to your to your mill and make for yourself? Uh, you know, I don't have anything that's really staring me in the face right now. That's like an obvious. Um, geez, I, I really would like to tackle this certain thing. Um, there is something that I, that I start, well, I collaborated with a, a, a good friend of mine. You might, you, you might know who he is. His name is Johnny Torres. He uh, makes custom straps in, um, in the San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. And um, almost 10 years ago, we collaborated on a project in which um, uh, I was doing a little movement work at the time. And he was uh, buying uh, Hamilton size 10 pocket watch movements 
specifically the 917 and 921. So it's it's a movement that's about the same as the ADA 6497. It's within a few thousandths of an inch in size. So you can make a reasonable wristwatch out of that. And um, I would love to um, sort of revisit that and come up with uh, a case that I can make in-house. Um, it would probably, you know, I'm thinking that it might resemble either a trench watch or, you know, there, there might be some, you know how pocket watch cases tend to have turned features rather mm -hmm, than right. milled features. They usually look like round objects. They're round, yeah. And, and uh, you w know. Wire lugs and. Exactly. I, you know, I, I might I might try something like that. Um, I'm not sure that it would be in a production thing. I mean, obviously, the first, you know, the first part of that is seeing if I can come up with something that I like. You have, know? You, have you turned any and, cases before? Uh, I have not. Um, <laughs> you know, as, as far as uh, the process, it's not much different than turning bezels. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, the, the challenge, I think, is to come up with something that that uh, isn't huge on the wrist, something that fits well. Right. Uh, you know, because you're, you're talking about something that's going to be kind of a minimum of about 42 millimeters. That's exactly diameter. the number I had in my head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> that's pretty much the 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 minimum that you can get into for that size movement. And, um, you know, to have something like that, that, that fits nicely, you know, uh, is difficult, you know, that, that's, that's, that's something that would be fun, uh, to try. And then the thing that I think that it's cool about that, when I was collaborating with Johnny on this project, we were basically taking, um, a big pilot cases that you can get on eBay or someplace like that, you know, 42, 43 millimeters, and then finding a dial that would work. And then of course you have the problem of, well, on a pocket watch movement, the crown is a 12, right? Okay. So the stem is a 12 and the second hand is at six. So now you're having to turn that 90 degrees to get it into a pilot's case. So now the stem is at three, and the uh, at nine o'clock is the second uh, subdial, and uh, you know that comes with a set of problems. One of them being you have to use a different dial mm -hmm. uh, in order to get twelve to be at the top, like most people want their watches. And um, what I thought would be really cool would be to try to come up with something that was very like what you think of as a, tr a trench watch. Okay. You know, like back, they say during world war one, sure. When they, when they literally, they took their pocket watch to the jeweler, the jeweler soldered on some wire lugs. And now you have a pot. Now you have a wristwatch. The crown is at 12, just like it always was, but it's on your wrist. And, um, you know, that, that presents, certain problems with how you wear the watch, obviously. 
and and whether the strap is in the way of the crown and and all this stuff. But uh, it would be a fun project to play with, and whether anything comes from that, I I don't know. But um, well, and a custom the other, custom dial is an option too. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, okay. But but what's really cool is that Hamilton, all of those watches, that and they they go back into the 30s. Sure. They understood plating. And I can't tell you how many times I see uh, a 50-year-old Hamilton dial and you look at the uh, raised numerals and you look at that gold plating on them and you say, man, it's just as bright as it was when it left the factory. You know, whether there's a little spotting on the dial or not, you know, nobody cares. But it's, it's just... They made beautiful stuff. The movements are are, are beautiful too, uh, and they're very nice to work on. I mean, they, um, you know, every single thing when you're working on those movements, it, it really just feels like uh, craftsmen put it together to be able to take it apart and put it back together again. Right. You know, everything just fits perfectly. Um, so. I don't know. That's that's uh, something that I would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be a super cool project. I I hope to see, I hope to see some, some uh, some of that in the future. So yeah. I I have just one last question. Okay. And I'm wondering. Well, I, I'm gonna cut uh, you off. I have about four hundred questions. <laughs> well, I, I mean, so I've do I. A... But I'm like, we we gotta kind of keep it to our timeline here. We'll have to have you back because there's a lot of unanswered questions remaining. But the one that we have to get into this show, what's your personal watch collection look like? Um, well, I've got to tell you, I have. Uh, uh, how should I say this? Everything <laughs> that I make a bezel for, I obviously have to have a couple copies, some quantity of those <laughs> on hand to make sure that my stuff fits the watches that they're meant for. So I have every amphibia. Uh, some of them I have two, you know, I have a, a bunch of SKX 007s and, and various Seikos and all of those are definitely the play watches. You know, when you just sort of say, ah, oh, you know, Jake just came out with a really cool dial and I love it. And you, and you order it and you just pick out a watch and say, all right, I'm going to build this mod and I'm going to wear it for a week until I'm sick of it, you know? And, um, uh, other than that, uh, my, my collected watches, um, if I'm to say, uh, you know, some people have a theme, I have a mini theme going on. I have some yachting watches. I have three yachting watches. One of them is a watch that my father used uh, in the early 70s. It is a uh, memo sale. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the maker is, is memo time. And it has a, an, a value. Uh, 7737 movement, right? It, which is uh, that uh, 7734 was wildly uh, popular at the time for for uh, chronographs. Okay, so they had a modified version, um, and then I have a uh, a Timex digital yachting watch, 
that was mine back in, uh, I want to say, the mid-'80s. And then uh, I have a Citizen um, ProMaster yachting watch. That is that the is, Sailhawk? Uh, uh, they they didn't call they don't call it a sailhawk. I think this is previous to the sailhawk, okay. but it's it's definitely one of these that has um, several stepper motors inside it that make sure make the the hands go wherever they're supposed to go. It's completely analog. Um, so um, that's sort of my mini collection is the yachting watches, and I did use to sail competitively. Um, uh, I have oh jeez. So many just weird watches that are hanging around. Well, what are you wearing? Uh, what are you wearing right now, Dave? Because I've seen oh, this gosh. Erica's original. Yeah, I, I assume that's an Erica's original. It may be an MN strap. Oh this, yeah, this, this is a watch. This is a watch with a um, with a story right here. Okay, please. This this is um, it's it's a good story. Um, there's a guy, uh, customer of mine. That uh, kind of got the bug. His name is Dave Sutton, and uh, this is a this is an SKX 007. Okay, and, and you know what? They can't uh, see it. They, they can't. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they can't. yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing this for a year. And I love it. I appreciate it. I love that. So, so here's the thing with this watch is, um, Dave is one of these guys that um, he's a real diver. Back in the day, he did saturation diving, working on the seafloor, and the whole thing. Uh, he's kind of a colorful character, um, and he's one of these guys that um, he knows a lot of stuff. He knows his stuff, and if you're wrong, he'll tell you, okay? Uh, and for that reason, um, you know, there's, there's, a little bit, there's a little bit of hate here and there for him, but... Anyways, they've got this uh, sort of bug that he wanted to be um, modding some watches. And um, he has some aerospace um, uh, contacts. Um, the same guy, Dave, he, he, um, he owns a company that owns um, a couple of Russian fighter jets, okay? Uh, which, is, which is just a, a, Andrew another... Andrew Yeah, <laughs> who doesn't? Which is just sort of another... <laughs> wild story but you know he he told me the whole story but anyways he decided he wanted to make a bunch of watches and he wanted to use my bezels and and, and um he's he bought this very large batch of bezels and uh this this dial that i just showed you he had basically he had uh jake bordeaux uh reshop these dials back to the dial maker to put his logo on Okay. And that's Jake and Bordeaux he, of Dag, Dagaz watches. Of Dagaz, yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, he spec'd this whole thing out. That's uh, that's the Dagaz Superdome kit. That's my bezel. Um, you know, some, di you know, sword hands. Uh, uh, it's it, the, you know, big, big Arabic's pilot style dial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this uh, Erica's original um, strap. So, oh, and uh, there's a, you know, the, the case back has been uh, sterilized. sterilized as well. So through his, through his um, uh, contacts in the aerospace industry, uh, one of these watches ended up on the wrist of an astronaut, okay? And um, this astronaut's 
his watch wasn't quite ready when he took off to the International Space Station. So um, they arranged to, you know, you know that they send resupply missions up yeah. to the right. ISS, okay? They arranged to send this watch, send his watch up to him in the middle part of his mission, okay? So the guy's halfway through his, actually a little more than halfway through his mission, um, and uh, gets this watch. It's it's all wrapped up in a uh, hermetically sealed bag, and it's you know it's been <laughs> decontaminated with with uh, ionizing radiation and the whole thing. That's some FedEx so, right there. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, really. So, um, and, and when he when when he did this, uh, they. The space agencies are absolutely nuts about any um, – they don't want to make it look like anybody is endorsing any product. Sure, sure. So they made this – they made the maker of the watch, Dave Sutton, sign all these agreements saying, this is not Scott Tingle's watch. Okay, that's the astronaut that we went to. This is your watch. We're going to send it up. If we destroy it, too bad. If we lose it, too bad. And when it comes back, it's coming back to you. It's not going to that astronaut. You know, it's 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 your property forever, and you may never sell it. Okay. So, you know, again, they just they just don't. Yeah. They're not going to get into the the stamps thing. Even though even though it's this guy's watch that he's bought, and he's like just trying to get him his watch. Yes. Okay. Yes. They're that, trying that to. That was av- the arrangement. They're trying to avoid so now, the the bad stuff that happened in the sixties and seventies yeah. with. Yeah. So now the question becomes, when that guy came back, and those two guys met each other at some convention somewhere, was there a, a, an exchange of a watch? Allegedly, yes, probably. no. Probably uh, yes. Yeah. Allegedly no. <laughs> so, anyways, the whole thing went down, and. um Next thing you know, we've got these pictures, you know, and uh, I have this this really nice picture. It's it's on my Instagram page of it's that watch and it's hovering in space. And outside the vestibule window is a Soyuz docked with the ISS. And um, so um, in, in low Earth orbit. So. We were all like really jazzed about this uh, because, you know, Dave built the watches. Jake supplied all these parts. uh, I supplied a bezel and Erica supplied a strap. So uh, when all this stuff came back, um, very generously, Dave took that watch and he broke it apart a little bit. He sent the bezel back to me. He sent the strap back to Erica. He just picked out some piece. I'm not sure which, you know, make it maybe a case back or something. And he sent it back to Jake. So each of us could take that piece and make our own watch. So no, um, no, no, yes. no. So oh, come so on. This watch that, so this watch that you're seeing here is a watch that I built. Uh, Dave supplied me a dial of, of his dial. But that is the bezel. God. That spent two months in orbit. Man, this is the <laughs> risk check 
to end all. You know, we don't do risk checks on this show. Yeah. But you just Trumped eliminated all. any any chance that we're ever going to do wrist checks regularly because holy <laughs> shit, that's cool. That's the good, yeah. And what's what's it was it was so generous of of him to do that. Um, and uh, what was kind of funny was you know it wasn't long after that I you know I got an order from uh, uh, Richie Harris who works with Jake you know and I was like all right I know what this is for you know. And I ended up, you know, so Dave built Erica a watch. So, so all of us have a watch that some little piece of it has been in space in orbit, has been in space for two months. Oh man, Dave, this is a fantastic story. (laughs) This is the The other, the other kind of cool thing about this story is, is that the resupply mission was, um, a SpaceX uh, oh, cooler still. Okay. Uh, and then it flew on the ISS. And then when it returned on the wrist of the astronaut, it, it returned to Kazakhstan in a Soyuz capsule. Okay. So the <laughs> cool thing is, is that right now, those are the only three ways to get to or from space. Or Uh-oh. And so... They've these pieces of this watch have been on all three platforms. You've got NASA, Elon Musk, and Soyuz. How exactly. freaking cool! So, what well, that's so wonderful. That's that's that's, uh, that's uh, a, a fun story. So, well, Dave, we would love honestly. I, I think we would probably love to wrap with you all afternoon. Er, er, Just all about evening. that watch, uh, and, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take you up on that uh, to to do something in the future. Uh, assuming you'd be willing to come back on with all our crazy antics, but uh, you, you know, this is the time of the show. Well, uh, we're about five minutes past the time of the show where we where we normally transition to other things, uh, and, and I understand you have something queued up. And, well, yeah, I, and I'm excited. I, I, I was I was aware that you guys do other things because I have, uh, you know, been listening to your podcast. So, um, I, I I saw you raise your hand there. Yeah, yeah, no, you know what? Uh, we've got we're, so we're about an hour six. We try to make it an hour. We're over that, and that's okay. So I'm going to give you some time to go, but uh, we're gonna just we're gonna scoot it along just a touch. Okay. Um, the, the, the thing that the, 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 something else that I have is that, uh, I just, uh, returned from a trip with my daughter. We returned from the Delmarva Paddlers retreat. And, uh, and I knew this about you that you're, you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a, a, a boatsman. I don't know if that's the appropriate. It's, uh, it, oarsman? It's, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's sea kayaking technically. Okay. Was right. And, um, what the uh, Delmarva Paddlers Retreat is about is it's about Greenland-style Greenland style kayaking, okay? So what that is is um, trying to embrace the uh, Inuit origins of the sport that we in America call sea kayaking. And um, at the very minimum, people that do this uh, use a Greenland paddle, which is... Uh, no wider than four fingers. That's at the widest point. Four knuckles. That's pretty narrow. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's kind of like one of those things where you say uh, the last time you saw a windmill 
was it long and narrow or yeah. was it big and f- or were the blades big and fat like the uh the windmills you know that you think of in that logic Nether, trumps you know yeah you know so so um th- there is a uh, there is some efficiency uh to be had by having a long narrow blade and uh we embrace that we also um use the uh we also build and use the uh uh inuit kayaks um, that you build out kayaks too uh yes yes oh my um, gosh <laughs> and and the the greenland kayaks we we use um traditional methods of making them we make them with a, a skin on frame where you you build a wood skeleton and then stretch a uh, uh, skins. Well, ba- back in the day, it would have been mammal skins. We use um, ballistic nylon usually, mm. uh, and and sew a skin on, and then uh, waterproof it. And uh, uh, a few of us also in the spring uh, organize an event a little closer to my home, which is the Hudson River Greenland Festival. That's in June, where we do the same thing. Delmarva Paddler's Retreat, of course, is in the uh, southern Delaware, near uh, Rehoboth Beach. So uh, there is a little bit of a um, Portland connection to that, okay? There's a guy in Portland, his name is Harvey Golden, who um, uh, for the past more than 20 years he's been researching these uh inuit craft and he has a little museum in your town it's the lincoln street kayak and canoe museum and uh since it's basically his garage with fancy shelves and lighting you have to call him in order to check it out but i'm sure he'd be happy to show you this is in portland this it's in portland yes fantastic we'll have to Um, check it out next time we're up there all right so it says it's closed right else. now, but it says it's yeah. closed right now. Yeah. I mean, it is. We can't drop in 7, 7 p.m. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, I'm, I'm, Dave, I'm you'll have sure to. That it, I'm pretty sure that it's it's a call and he'll open the door for you type of situation. By appointment. You know, is, well, you'll yes. have to send me his email address because that sounds pretty cool. The, the pictures do look like it's in a garage. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a, a live and work uh, facility. <laughs> he, he's a. a, a, a fascinating guy he was he became fascinated with the uh you know the whole genre of the the uh uh the greenland kayaks and the aleutian kayaks as well and uh you know the way he decided to embrace that was to just build them all so um you know sounds familiar back back well yeah (laughs) back before he actually went uh, on a tour a long time ago through every, uh, well, I should say every, every museum in Canada and Europe that has a kayak collected. And I mean, uh, something that a real Inuit person was hunting from. Um, he went to those places and surveyed all those kayaks and, uh, published two really thick books with all the uh, 
the plans. And uh, his whole thing was, I want to know what it's like to paddle that craft. So he would, he would do the survey and then build them mm. so that the rest of us could try those historical so you know i have a kayak my- and and i've uh I've, I've had a shotgun in my kayak and i've been really tempted to try to duck or goose hunt out of that kayak and and ultimately decided not to because i've just never been real confident in its ability to keep me up you know uh, <laughs> i can't imagine I, hunting from one i've played around with the idea of kayaking before and i'd love to do that uh w- with kim and i but i'm convinced that that's the hobby that leads to divorce so. that's the hobby that leads to my death <laughs> I, I never mind divorce that's how i die well, i mean we've almost ended it in the in the drift boat and that's way that, safer yeah that's true that's true super fascinating we're gonna check it out we'll include a link to the museum in the show notes andrew other thing what do you got you know i was gonna talk about this right before i mean before the episode this is what i wanted to talk about today in the way of other things and the fact that we're talking about a space watch and and now we can add skx to space watch skx mod variety who saw that coming the dave murphy space watch yeah the the (laughs) oh my gosh dave sutton dave murphy dagaz slash erica's original space watch the coolest shit i've ever heard on the like ever yeah. uh, and it's for sure hot take on the show it'll be the the number one uh i want to so india is going to try another soft mood landing yeah go and, india and we have slated a 2024 mission to the moon the moon it's happening y'all space travel is happening again and i'm so excited about it i'm never gonna be an astronaut i'm too fat I'm no no you can do whatever you want to do no i'm never gonna be rich enough to buy a private a private trip to the moon i'm too fat i'm too old i'm okay with it but the fact is there are other people <laughs> going and they know they're going to the moon that jacks me up it's fucking cool man that's all that was my other thing i'm just excited about the fact that the we're, moon. We're, we've got more space Your travel going on the moon we've got more deeper space travel going on we're going beyond the iss we're going to the moon again and that means that the next step is mars the whole reason we're going to the moon right now is just like the gemini missions the gemini missions gemini, gemini. Gemini. I don't know how he said it, but <laughs> the whole reason we're doing that is to test systems and equipment for ultimately a Mars mission. That is cool as shit. We humans will be on Mars in my lifetime. Ooh. Ooh. That was a prediction. It's gonna happen. That was a prediction. We just need another like 40 years in the future decade so maybe the 2020s are going to be the decade that the 2070s come to visit and we do space travel all right you know i think we might have a wager and we can work it out by way of addendum to your will i can draft all the documents yeah no you can do it we will be on mars in my lifetime fantastic uh your kids will be the ultimate beneficiaries if i'm wrong but you know cool for them yeah yeah you know what I, i'm gonna outlive you so i'll benefit but you know but you will we'll, we'll work it out then so statistically speaking you will we'll, we'll work it out by way of testamentary device that's what i always say uh yeah fantastic i've got another thing i was gonna say what you got i've got another thing yeah my other thing is a, a series a, a series that has debuted recently that is absolutely fantastic absolutely fantastic i think we're only three episodes in it's an hbo series and we talked uh, maybe about three months ago, about the idea that uh, it, it feels like all of the sort of good epic television shows are drying up. 
you, you know, like what's next, right? We, we had Breaking Bad. We had Game of Thrones. Westworld's coming back. Westworld's coming back, uh, but but to a certain extent, uh, if there's an idea, there's a feeling that the next epic is is yet to come. I hope, and, and I think I think that perhaps, and I don't know this for sure, but I think perhaps it has already been aired Ooh. by way of the Watchmen series Ooh. on HBO. Yeah, it is so far. So far, it has started off with a bang and it's been fantastic now if you don't know what the watchman is please stop what you're doing pause pause we're just shut us off we're almost done hour 16 you can press stop uh the watchman the watchman is the best graphic novel that's ever been published and i say that with zero reservations it is perhaps one of the best novels ever put together I'd say top 50 novels of all time. The Watchmen is a fantastic piece of art. And if you don't know what it is, stop what you're doing and figure out what it is. If it interests you at all, read it because it's phenomenal. It is a comic book, which feels a little juvenile. This is not juvenile. It's a graphic novel. There's a difference between that and a, and a comic book. It's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. So HBO has uh, spun off of The Watchmen, of the source material. They've spun off as in the material that they're creating now is original material. It's original content. It's not uh, from the original series, but rather it's a spin off of those ideas and that story. And it has started off in an absolutely fantastic fashion. And I think it's wonderful. Also, so two other things. I'm going to say two other things. That's the, cheating. The original Watchmen, you can get it on for like 14 bucks in a paperback on Amazon. Totally recommend it. Also, Check out the new series on HBO. Is this what that movie, The Watchmen, was based on? So the movie, The Watchmen, was based on the on the comic book, and, and and people, you know, this is a this is a a comic book adaptation which is bound to get panned in the reviews, right? Uh, as good as it was, it it diverged in ways that were meaningful to people, and and so people, it didn't get as warm a reception as it might have if it was original content, but it's good in its own right. But the book is out of this world good. The, the novel, the graphic novel, is out of this world. And the new spinoff series, I think, has uh, all the right pieces in place to be our next sort of big series, that the water cooler series, as it were. So it's that's a bold it. statement. I'm going to get on HBO tonight. Because it's only 7 o'clock. This is unusual for us to be wrapping short of 10. Well, and... and, and uh, poor Dave. It's like <laughs> it is ten, <laughs> ten o'clock. It's about it's about ten twenty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Dave, that's it for other things. Uh, before we go, is there anything? So you know, w- one thing we'd love for you to do: just plug your website, uh, plug your uh, plug your Instagram. How uh, people can reach you, but but anything else yeah. that you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, that's that's great. Um, yeah, my website is murphymanufacturing.com. Murphy Manufacturing is completely spelled out. And my Instagram is murphy underscore mfg. And, um, you know, from my website, uh, you can see a link to uh, email me about uh, anything that you want to talk about. So be careful. To, Some uh, of our listeners are really, uh, really annoying. <laughs> 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 not more so than us though so you're safe 
Uh, don't worry, I've seen it all. All right, good, <laughs> good. Anything else you want to plug before we go, Dave? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I appreciate uh, you having me on. It was a lot of fun. We loved it. We'll have to have you back. We, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, I'd, I'd love to uh, come back sometime. So. Excellent. Thank you so much. Andrew, anything else you need to do before we go? Nope, just pee. Just <laughs> like right now? <laughs> well, in a minute. Are you doing the dance? I'll let, I'll let the music go. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of 40 and 20. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. Uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where people uh, give their $1, $2, $3 per month to the show just to just to support uh, hosting fees and production fees and all the things that go into making a podcast. And we really appreciate it. And we're so happy to add that, uh, that contribution. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>